Well, this morning, as you can see from the screen here, the name of our, the title of our message is All for One and One for All, the Church and the Family. You all recognize that saying, All for One and One for All? It was uh, popularized by Alexander Dumas in his book on the Three Musketeers. And so you had the Three Musketeers and their solidarity, in which they declare this, arose out of their friendship and their common purposes. Now, it's kind of interesting, because if you read it, you'll have a D'Artagnan. He's, he's kind of the main musketeer. And he's, he's uh, recalling an event that was taking place, or had taken place to him, and it involved a woman. And so he's trying to share this event. And um, uh, Porthos keeps making fun of him. Oh, you love him, her, and you're all worked up. You, got, you, know, you, you just really like her. And... Uh, Aramis, the other one, is telling him, be quiet, let him finish his story. And D'Artagnan would share a little bit more of what happened, and Porthos again would, oh, you really like her, and what's going on, and you're not telling us everything, and Aramis says, be quiet. And they're just kind of going back and forth and getting on each other's nerves. But at the end, they just come together, and it says, regardless of our differences, and, and really this is what makes this significant, regardless of the differences, we, are, we come together, all for one and one for all. In other words, we're going to stand together in whatever it is that we face. So that saying, that's, that's where that phrase comes from. But there is a solidarity that we as believers enjoy together. It is a solidarity that we gain from our union with Jesus. He has joined us together into what is called the household of faith. And, and this is kind of the overarching theme of these messages that we're talking about. We're talking about the household and the family and our relationships and all of that. And so Jesus Christ brings us together. He joins us together into the household of faith, referring to the church. It binds us together and brings us together like nothing else in the world can. It provides us with common purposes, the glory of God, and the advancement of the kingdom of God. And so while the musketeers maintained their solidarity, even though they were kind of going at it against each other, we enjoy a solidarity found in Jesus, the all-knowing, all-powerful Lord of Lords and King of Kings. And so we come and we are in this together. We are one as a church, even though each one of us is different. And we are different in the midst of this oneness called the church. So, the fascinating thing is, is that we can come together, even though we are different, and still enjoy a fellowship, a union, a, a commonality and purpose and goal, and going down into the future. As a matter of fact, you can, uh, you can kind of uh, look at your, your uh, relationship with your family. If you... If you want, you can look at my relationship with my wife. She's a chocolate ice cream kind of person, and I'm a vanilla ice cream kind of person. See, you know, we're, we're just like different in every single conceivable way possible. And uh, she's always reminding me of how different we are. <laughs> However, we got some subs the other day, and, and uh, we both came home with the same sub from the Subway shop. And she still wanted to point out the differences between I said, look, we came home with the same subs. We're alike, but, uh, but that's okay. 
she's not supposed to be like me. I'm not supposed to be like her. You're not supposed to be like me. I'm not supposed to be like you. You're not supposed to be like the person next to you, and so on and so forth. We all have our likes and our dislikes. We have our differences, and uh, we have uh, things that are different that kind of draw us in different directions. As a matter of fact, when uh, this, this is how I like to share it. When we have a need in the church, and by the way, at the end of the service, you're going to hear about a whole lot of opportunities and activities that are coming up in our church. But what I like to do is uh, to, to kind of convey the differences is that uh, you have an opportunity to serve. And let me just give the example of mowing the lawn. So, you know, spring is upon us. Today, I think, right? Or maybe it, do they have a certain time when spring hits, like 320 or something like that. I heard some strange thing along those lines. But anyway, spring is upon us. The grass is starting to grow. My grass at home is like, I can't believe it was brown one day and the next day was green and needing cutting. So, uh, you know, that's coming up. But if I say, hey, church, we have a need. And the need is for the lawn to be mowed. Half of you or whatever part of you are going to say, oh my goodness, I'm not mowing that lawn. But then there's another group of you saying, yeah, mow the lawn. I can do that. I want to do that. Who do I talk to? And I could go right down the line of the needs of the church. Some of you are going to say, no, I don't want to do that. And then there's going to be another group of you who say, yes, I can do that. And that reflects the differences. It reflects the differences in calling and purpose and, and uh, just the, the variety of the kinds of people that we have in here. I did this once in the youth group. I used to do the youth group, by the way, years ago when we were in the other building. And uh, so I had them all stand up and I said, if you're, and I use the ice cream thing, if you're a chocolate ice cream person, go on this side. And if you're a vanilla ice cream person, go on this side. And so they divided, you know, this is kind of 50-50. Are you a dog person? Come over here. Are you, hey, by the way, how many of you are dog people? Raise your hands. All right. I love you dog people. How many of you are cat people? Oh, my goodness. I didn't tell you guys to raise your hand. And actually, I don't want you to, don't want to know you cat people, but... But it just uh, kind of shows the, the differences that we have. And, and this is how we know how God is leading us in areas of service. When you hear a need, you will kind of be moved towards it or not. And if you are moved towards it, then maybe you should take a step and see if God is really calling you to serve in that area. And so that's, that's how it goes. But despite all of the differences... And the varieties that we have here, we come together under Jesus Christ in this church with a common goal, or I should say an overarching common goal and, and, uh, and desire to see God glorified and to see His kingdom advanced. Amen? And so we work together given our differences and we serve together in order to accomplish those great tasks that lay before us, that have been given us by the Lord Jesus Christ. So we talk about this and we consider the idea all for one and one for all. And this I mean to reflect the life of the church. Now it's really interesting as we look at the scripture, we, I, I, I have to tell you that as I've been doing this study, I've just fi been finding language about the home and the family that I had never noticed before as it relates to the kingdom of God and the things of God. It's just been kind of an eye-opening experience. And so this first point here is that we look to the home and we reflect upon it and we see the church in it. So we've been making these kinds of connections throughout the series. Our marriages, the husband and the wife, point to our union with Jesus, for example. 
And our children, the the being fruitful and multiplying and having children, that points to the fruitfulness of the Christian life. And today we see that the home and the family point to the home and the family of the church. And so there's all of these kinds of connections and it's it's, uh, pretty fascinating to see. So there is a strong connection between what happens in the church and what happens in the family. As a matter of fact, if you wanted to be a leader or an elder in the church, one of the qualifications is that the things at home are taken care of well. This is how it puts it in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 4 and 5. It says, one who rules, this is the qualification, the man must be one who rules his own house well, having his children in submission with all reverence. For if a man does not know how to rule his own house... How will he take care of the church of God? So you see there's a strong correlation with what is happening in the man's family and how it should be in the life of the church. Another verse is found in Galatians chapter 6, verse 10, and we'll actually come back to this a little bit later. But notice it says this. It says, Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of... And now here is the... The phrase that describes the believer. Do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. So you see the language there. The household, the home. And it's likened to the believer and to the church. Um, as a matter of fact, in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14 and 15, if you do any study on the church, you'll see that there is a kind of a, distinct, a distinction or a categorization of the church that has gone on already and that is with the Lord and the church, us, who are still alive and here on the earth. So in other words, we talk about the church and we talk about the church being the believers, but really the church or the universal church consists of all of the people who have believed since the time of Jesus, most of whom have died, who have died and they're already in the presence of the Lord. So this is what this verse, Ephesians chapter 3 Verses 14 and 15 addresses. It says, For this reason I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. So do you see that there? We're talking about our Lord Jesus Christ, and it is from our Lord Jesus Christ that the whole family of heaven and earth is named. We are called by the name of Jesus. And so we look to Scripture and we see that when we consider our families, which is very important, we should also be pointed to the life of the church or the family of the church or the household of faith, which is really important as well. And so this is what we're going to focus on today. And my next point here is this, that the church as a whole, all of us, ought to be a blessing to the family. So here we are, and we're individuals, and each individual is part of a family, and each family then should be a part of the church. And here in our church, we have a church filled with families and individuals, of course. But it is from this church, from our church, that the families ought to be blessed. Now, there are several ways that Scripture conveys this truth. First of all, the church is the place where the truth is proclaimed. The church is the place where the truth is proclaimed. And the proclamation of the truth impacts families. 
So we have in John chapter 4, verse 53, it says, So the father knew that it was the same hour. This father, had his son was sick, and so he came to Jesus. The father knew that it was the same hour in which Jesus said to him, Your son lives. And he himself believed, and his whole household. Now, now here's the point. Jesus, and in this sense we can consider him the head of the church, he does this great thing, and it impacts not only the man whose son was healed, but the whole household. Another verse, Acts chapter 11, verse 13 and 14. And he told us how he had seen an angel standing in his house, who said to him, send men to Joppa and call for Simon, whose surname is Peter, who will tell you the words by which you and your household will be saved. Another verse, Acts chapter 16, verses 31 through 34. So they said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes. And immediately he and all his family were baptized. Now when he had brought them into his house, he set food before them. And he rejoiced, having believed in God with all his household. Now in each of these cases, the gospel or the word or the message is going forth. And it is impacting not only the people that hear, but the whole household. It is the proclamation of the truth that comes into our lives and impacts the whole household. Now, why is that? Obviously, somebody, a child, is not saved just because the parent accepts Jesus. We all know that, right? I mean, each person must make the choice for themselves and must choose to believe or not believe, you know, on their own. And, uh, and that's the truth. Nevertheless, when the gospel is proclaimed and... A parent, a mother or a father, and I didn't give you all of the examples. Another example is of Lydia. And uh, so there's the receiving of the gospel, and that gospel transforms the life, right? So that transformed life then goes back to the family where they, he or she, or they influence and have great influence, and they influence the whole family and the whole household towards Christ for salvation. And that is a wonderful thing. So I'm, let's say I was not saved and I'm going to work and at work there's a Christian and this Christian just kind of witnesses to me day after day after day after day. And finally, I yield and humble myself before Jesus and I confess my sins and salvation comes to me. What am I going to do? I'm going to take that back and I'm going to lead my family to the best of my abilities in the ways of God from that moment on. And that influence then will spread to them. All right, so there is the proclamation of the truth, and this is the the business of the church. Here we are, the the, the witness of the church. We go forth into the world, we proclaim the gospel, and we impact the people of the world with the truth of the gospel. And lives are changed, not only individuals, but the people in that individual's or those individuals' lives. Now, the second point here, along these same lines, is the affirmation of the truth. So the church affirms the truth. The gospel impacts an entire family, and the course of the family changes. And that's how it should be. Now, within a family, we kind of see the same dynamic. So you have the mother and the father, and and, uh, they teach their children. We're talking about Christians now, so the mother and the father, they teach their children the truth. 
And uh, we all have all perfectly obedient children, and they hear mom and dad teaching the truth and say, oh, yeah, I know, I, you know, that's great, and I'll obey you in everything. And No, that's not how it happens, and we all know that. As a matter of fact, you know, it's usually the opposite. Mom and dad tell them what to do, and the kids just kind of rebel. And uh, at first, when they're little, they just might turn, away, run, turn around and, and run away. So I remember... Not too long ago, Rosalie was at my house. <laughs> Sorry, Andrew, I just have to share this. Candace, you know, it's just too bad. But uh, so I'm uh, talking to Micah in his room, and I'm kind of correcting him a little bit, and Rosalie just did not like it. She ran up to me. She bopped me a couple and turned around and ran away. So the next time you look at cute little Rosalie... Just remember, she's a sinner, and she does bad things to pastor. <laughs> well, they start with their rebellion from, you know, when they're yay high, and the older they get, the more significant the rebellion grows, and, and we all know that. We've all experienced that in our lives, and, and uh, you know, it's, uh, it can be really hard and, and uh, traumatic. But, but here's something that the church does. So mom and dad are trying, and they keep trying to, to get their kids in line, and if, they're, if you're Christians, you've thrown out the Bible. I was just doing this the other day. It says, the Bible says in the Ten Commandments, obey your mom and dad. That's like the number one commandment for parents. So we throw out the Bible verses, and we try to encourage, and we pray, and we do all of these things. This is coming from mom and dad. But there's something about being present in church as a family where that same truth is declared by somebody else besides mom and dad, and reaffirmed by the whole congregation of the church. And that affirmation is so important in the life of the family. So I do not have to raise my children alone necessarily. I can have the values. Now we're talking about the Christian values and the Christian truths reaffirmed in the place of the church because that's where I'm getting them, Right? From the church, from the Bible, from the Word of God, from Jesus, from God's setup for everything. He is the one who has authored this, and it is being passed down to me as I pass it down to my children, and it is reaffirmed in the life of the church. And this is so important. So the truth is taught and reaffirmed in the church. The truth is proclaimed in the church and becomes a larger witness to everybody else. As a matter of fact, even the truth proclaimed in the church becomes a testimony by the agreement and the joining in by all of you to the unbeliever. So an unbeliever comes into a congregation like ours, and the Word of God is proclaimed, and that unbeliever is encouraged or convinced or whatever by the union or the unity of the church in affirming the Word and the truth. It says this in 1 Corinthians 14, 24, and 25. It says, If all prophesy and an unbeliever or an uninformed person comes in, he is convinced by all and he is convicted by all. And thus the secrets of his heart are revealed. And so falling down on his face, he will worship God and report that God is truly among you. What a powerful verse there. So you can invite your unbelieving friends to church and the testimony, not just the preaching of the word, but the testimony of the church together can be a, a powerful and impactful 
uh, testimony to that unbeliever of the truth of God and His Word. All right, the next point here. The church provides encouragement. We do not stand alone, but we have others who are in the same boat. We have had, I I told you how um, Sandy was cancer-free this week, praise the Lord, but Craig Carter also went on Tuesday, and he's cancer-free now five years. Rodney, it's been five or six years, and he's been cancer-free. And so just talking about cancer, we have several people who have gone through that. Not to mention all of the other things that we're all going through. So we're all in this together. And just as the Spirit of God comes alongside of us as believers, we come alongside of each other as believers to encourage and to help and to strengthen and to guide and provide and help and serve and all of these things. The church is here to provide encouragement for the believer. When uh, Christina and I and Micah were in the hospital... Last year, and we were in Morgantown for all of those months, um, several of you actually made the drive out to Morgantown to see us. Man, what a blessing that was for us, that you would go all that way to see us and to support us and to stand with us and to pray with us. Not to mention all the other cards and gifts and prayers that all of you did for us during that time and still do for us. It supports us and helps us. The church provides encouragement for one another as believers. That's what we're here for. The church does this for the family. So we come along each, alongside of each other. In Romans chapter 14, verse 19, it says, Therefore let us pursue the things which make for peace, And the things by which we may edify one another. Man, that is so powerful and so true and needed in our lives. Because we're all going through. Don't turn to your neighbor, but just think of your neighbor. I know you're thinking, who was sitting by me now again? I can't remember. Well, anyway, just the person next to you and around you, they're going through something hard. Something challenging in their life. And we need to be there for, for one another. 1 Thessalonians 5.11 says, Therefore comfort each other and edify one another, just as you also are doing. Galatians chapter 6, verse 2 says, Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. What a great truth there. Our next point here, the church blessing the family. The church impacts the world. Now, now this is, again, I already mentioned that one verse about the unbeliever coming into the life of the church, but it's more than that. It's, it's us as the church going out into the world and impacting the world. So one of the things that we've been doing is uh, going to the Martinsburg Rescue Mission, and we've been providing some food baskets. I think Susan and Mary have been uh, trying to get that going, and, and uh, we're doing these things. We, we're going to try to help the believers in Ukraine, so you're going to be hearing about that, Lord willing, in this coming week. So we're going to be doing these things in order to take the, the gospel and the help and the relief that we can, the acts of service, as a church, we're going to take that out around us. And these acts and these opportunities um, while we can all, you know, find our own thing, but in a certain sense, it's like we have more opportunity because we're all doing, we're doing it together here. So there might be more opportunities for you to serve that you wouldn't have if you were just doing, doing it by yourself. So we go out, try to make an impact to the world. In Acts chapter 3, verse 25, speaking of Abraham, so it's reflecting back on the, the promise of the covenant that God made with Abraham in the Old Testament. He says, you are sons of the prophets, 
and of the covenant which God made with our fathers, saying to Abraham, now here's the promise that God made to Abraham, which, by the way, is fulfilled in us. In your seed, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And so here we are as the church. As a matter of fact, we have the thing, the greatest thing that the world needs, the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is the world's biggest need. And we have it to give out. It has been entrusted to our hands, into our care, to take to the world and to declare, to sound it forth to an unbelieving world, the truth of the forgiveness that comes through Jesus Christ. And so church, let us be to it, let us get to it, let us be active in taking this trust that God has given to us as a church, and let us take it out to the world for a blessing to the world. And by the way, as I look at Ron, we have another opportunity, and that is through disaster relief. And so you've been hearing about that. I would encourage you to sign up for the disaster relief that's coming up, the training that's coming up. And this is another opportunity for us to come together as a church and to go out to the places in this world. Well, I mean, I guess it starts right here at home in West Virginia. We go out to different places where people are struggling or suffering because of some disaster or something that has struck, and we can offer the relief of the truth of the gospel even as we help in the relief of their burden of their circumstances. So that's another opportunity, and you'll hear more about that. Now, not only does the church bless the family, but the family blesses the church. And so this is our third main point this morning. The family blesses the church. And when we consider this truth, we are talking now about us as individuals, the family. This is you, how you can be a blessing to the church as a whole. Now, you will find at the end of Paul's epistles, you will find something like this. And so I'm going to read Romans chapter 16, verses 3 through 16. So bear with me as I read this passage from the end of Romans. And this is typical of Paul. He says, Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus who risked their own necks for my life, to whom not only I give thanks, but also all the churches of the Gentiles. Likewise, greet the church that is in their house. Greet my beloved Eponitus, who is the firstfruits of Achaia to Christ. Greet Mary, who labored much for us. Greet Andronicus and Junia, my countrymen and my fellow prisoners, who are of note among the apostles, who also were in Christ before me. Greet Amplius, my beloved in the Lord. Greet Urbanus, our fellow worker in Christ. Greet Stachys, my brother. Greet Apelles, approved in Christ. Greet those who are of the household of Aristobulus. Greet Herodian, my countrymen. Greet those who are of the household of Narcissus, who are in the Lord. Greet Tryphena and Tryphosa, who have labored in the Lord. Greet the beloved Persis, who labored much in the Lord. Greet Rufus, chosen in the Lord, and his mother and mine. Greet Asyncritus. Phlegon, Hermas, Patrobus, Hermes, and the brethren who are with them. Greet Philologus and Julia, Nerus and his sister, and Olympus, and all the saints who are with them. Greet one another with a holy kiss. The churches of Christ greet you. Now I know how it is. You get to the end of, the, of Romans, and you start in verse 3, and it hits the first name, and you think, oh yeah, that's that, that passage of all those names. You just kind of skip past it all the way to the end, and all right, I did that. I read my Romans passage for the day. Five by five by five, check. 
But this is a reminder to us that the church that Paul is writing to is made up of you and me, individuals. That is what makes up the church. And each person is extremely important. And so it is like I was right, I'd be writing a letter to you and I'd name each of you uh, by name, one by one. That is the church. You are the church. And as the church, we come together and we are no longer one, but we work together in order to make the church, which is in turn a blessing to our families. And so we cannot have a church if you are not bringing the family to be a part of the church. But you come and you bring yourself and your family and you are a part of the church and you engage in the church and you then become the means by which God blesses and works in the lives of the others that are sitting next to you. Now therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and the members of the household of God. That's who we are. We are members of the household of God. Praise the Lord for that. And as members of the household of God, we use, and I'm just going to break this down into two things. First of all, our spiritual gifts. It says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7, and you, help, you hear me go back to this verse from time to time. It says, the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one, as individuals, for the profit of all. So this is how you, the individual, profit the church. You use your gift that has been given to you by the Spirit of God in order to be a blessing to the whole church. And then, alongside of the spiritual blessing of the spiritual gifts, you have the physical blessing or the, the using of your hands, if you will, to uh, serve the church. So your service helps the church. And this is our last point. It says, therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. Now, we're supposed to help everybody, but Galatians chapter 6, verse 10 is a pretty interesting verse. It says, let us do good to all. So we're supposed to do good to all, but especially do good to the other members of the church, to the other believers. So your, your service as an individual or as a family, you contribute to the church. So many of you give in the offering, and that's a blessing, and many of you serve on the different ministries, and that's a blessing, and many of you do so many things. Some of you write notes and all kinds of things. Pray, we pray a lot. and You do all these things in order to ser serve the church and to be a benefit and a blessing to the church. And so you are critical. So all for one and one for all. That is the call in the ministry of the life of the church. The family for the church and the church for the family. Praise be to God. So now, husbands and wives should not go to two different churches. Parents and grandparents should not drop their children off and leave. And, and I know that in the brokenness that we all experience with respect to, you know, because of sin and, you know, the trouble and the difficulty and the challenges that we have in our families, there's all kinds of brokenness. I understand that. And so wives, pray for your husbands. You should both be in church. So pray for them if they're not. Husbands, pray for your wives. You should both be in church. Pray for them if they're not. Parents and grandparents, pray for your children if they're not in church. Children, pray for your parents if they're not in church. Let us pray for one another and encourage one another to all be in church because we are here to serve the church and the church is here to serve us. And so let us go forward to be, a blessing by the, to be blessed by the church and to be a blessing to the church. Amen? 
All right, so as we come to our ministry time now, let us, let us uh, here are our three points. As we come to our ministry time, um, as you have heard this, let, uh, let, uh, I encourage you to take what the Lord is moving in your heart and what He is speaking to you and how He is ministering to you. Take it to the Lord now. If there's some challenge or, or difficulty that you're having in your family or maybe all, you're all, your family is not all in church or whatever it is, wherever you're at, Take it to the Lord now as we sing our last song and allow Him to work in your lives this morning. Let's stand.